With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Nassiman Hockey Podcast with James Nichols and John Zoll. And welcome back to another edition of the Nassiman Hockey Podcast. James Nichols here as always. And joining me today is the official third member of Nassiman Hockey Podcast, Joe Pantorno. What's up, buddy? What's up? What a night it's been. What Hockey a night. Seattle. We oh missed John. God. We missed we miss the we missed the, the, the true number two member of this team. But yep. as we've spoken about in the text chain, he's a <laughs> Scratch up in the press box watching us. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. He's a healthy scratch up in the press box. So all is well. He's fine. Uh, just had some work stuff to attend. So he'll be back next week. Um, but he missed a he missed a crazy day, right? I mean, oh my God. We we listen. The Kraken expansion draft on ESPN. It was iffy. Right. What, what were your thoughts before we get into, you know, on the island and everything uh, brought to you by DraftKings? What were your thoughts on the ESPN broadcast? I I really want to keep it, you know, down the middle here. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm hoping that this is just ESPN and the NHL mutually working out the kinks for a very long, hope, right? sustainable beautiful relationship that will help grow the game across the United States and truly make them a big four sports league that can properly contend with the NBA, NFL, and MLB. Yeah, well, something I didn't expect tonight was uh, I didn't realize that they were actually going to introduce the 33rd team from Chris Fowler, actually the the Carolina Panthers in the the NHL. Oh, man, what a slip up. But, hey, listen, uh, it wasn't squeaky clean, but it was uh, the first uh, broadcast via ESPN for the NHL. So uh, let's see. Let's let's keep it, uh, you know. Let's keep it PG, and let's just say it'll it'll be better in round two, right? Certainly, certainly, <laughs> optimism prevails here. Yeah, absolutely. But all right, let's get to on the island. Brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, also America's top-rated sportsbook. Uh, speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. Uh, at DraftKings, uh, and uh, has a medal-worthy offer of just my listeners. Uh, place any pre-event wager of $1 to eligible to cash $100 in free credits in if America wins any medal this year. That's $100 to one odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to one odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indianapolis, uh, PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Uh, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Uh, all right, let's get to On the Island, and let's talk about the Seattle Kraken selection from the New York Islanders. And uh, we got a bit of news this morning, didn't we, Joe? We did. Uh, it's really not often that we get to share some news breaking. Yeah. Um, but after Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News initially reported it, uh, a source first tipped you and shortly after uh, gave me a little tip as well that Jordan Eberle was on his way to Seattle. Um, so as I said before, high fives and handshakes all around. Uh, 
you know, nice job. We could, you know, pat ourselves on the back for a moment and <laughs> right, right, right back to work. But uh, yeah, you know, hey, maybe you guys should uh, take us a little bit more seriously here and there. So yeah, you know, I mean, listen, this is this is this is the job, right? This is what we do. We we uh, we we report. So, uh, but you know, I, listen. To be honest, I didn't even see Ryan's initial report. So all the credit to Ryan. Uh, good good for you. Uh, I got the tip. Didn't even you know have Twitter open uh, when I got it. So first thing I did, opened it, tweeted it, um, and, and sure enough, Jordan Eberle was the selection uh, from the Seattle Kraken. And then you know, I want to say not two minutes later, you texted me and you were like, "It's Eberle." I was like, "I know." I put it out there, and you were like, "I'm going to do it too." <laughs> oh, James, but, it's, uh, like, it's like you're a baby deer learning to walk. The reporter, <laughs> the reporter ways. And I mean, listen, there's there is still time to turn and. And run like hell. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's a, a great scoop by you. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and hopefully it is the, the first of many. Hopefully. Hopefully it is the first of many. But uh, let's talk about Jordan Eberle to the Islanders. Um, he found out yesterday. Uh, and he checked in under uh, an alias at the hotel today. And uh, you had a, a great alias name for him. What was that name that you said again? Uh, it, it was Garth Snow. Oh, right. Hey, Garth Snow checking in. Uh-oh. <laughs> great, Uh-oh. great name. Okay. Uh, so, in fact, the Islanders uh, are now minus Jordan Eberle. Uh, add that to Nick Letty, who's on the move to uh, the Detroit Red Wings, and Andrew Ladd, who's on the move to or uh, traded already to the Arizona Coyotes uh, amongst you know conditional draft picks. Um, but no first round draft pick, which is pretty nice. Um, but a ton of salary shed between the three. I believe that's five, 10, 15, 16 million dollars that they <laughs> cleared in cap space between those three players. Uh, and they round out now at about $23.6 million in free cap space. Now, with that money, uh, you assume or, or you know Anthony Pavillier. Uh, Adam Pellick and Ilya Sorokin will be signed, and we are also going to assume Casey Sezikis, who is an unrestricted free agent, will be uh, signed as well. Uh, you know, you kind of got that tip when the uh, protection list came out, and you saw Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck on that protection list, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was a clear intent from the Islanders. I think that it was uh, a message to Casey Sezikis saying. You know, your spot is here waiting for you. We're we're keeping your line mates. Uh, we're not even going to flirt with the idea of putting them out there on the exposed list. And it was probably a good idea that they didn't because seeing what Ron Francis did at the expansion draft, he put a premium out there for these lower line gritty wingers. He's looking to build a physical team out in Seattle. So uh, it's, it's something that the Islanders got right in terms of making sure they sent as appealing a message to Sezikis as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into, you know, what comes next with the the Islanders as far as who they sign, because again, we assume they're going to sign the the RFAs and Casey Zizekas, the the UFA. Um, you know, but before we get to that, did you find it necessary that Lou Lamorello protected Matt Martin? I kind of understand Cal Clutterbuck because he only has a year left. Um, and he would probably be good to start a franchise with. He's an electric player, brings that kind of energy to the ice, really great in the locker room. You know, he wears the A for the Islanders. Um, so on a one-year deal at a $3.5 million cap hit, I understand protecting him because you want to keep that, you know, that, that duo of Clutterbuck and Sezikis together. But do you think that Ron Francis would have reached out and plucked Matt Martin with three years left on his contract? I mean, it, it's a possibility, and I think it was a slim possibility that Lou Lamorello wasn't going to mess around with. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, again, during his exit interviews, he said he was going to do everything that he could to keep the core of this team together. Um, he said it was impossible. Right. We saw it with Letty on his way out and Everly now on his way to Seattle. Um, but it's just the nature of the business. So, yeah, I... Uh, I, I'm not really sure if it was 100% necessary, but I think it was just rather uh, proceeding with supreme caution more than anything. Better safe than sorry, I guess, right? Sure, sure. So uh, a surprise non-pick from the Seattle Kraken. Um, so you know, we'll talk about what's next for the Islanders. Vladimir Tarasenko does not go to the Seattle Kraken. He, he remains a blue. 
Um, now we know he's a disgruntled blue. We know that he doesn't want to be a blue. Um, and we do know that he has waived his no trade clause to uh, come to the Islanders amongst other teams as well. Uh, a few things here. One, if he wasn't taken for free by the Kraken, does that maybe diminish his trade value a little bit for the Blues? Do you think that they could, uh, meaning the Islanders, uh, maybe uh, you know get Tarasenko at a cheaper cost? I don't really think so. Uh, I think Tarasenko's value is just maintaining. There are certain amount of red flags when it comes to questioning just how healthy his shoulder is. Mm -hmm. It's a muddled situation. He's had three surgeries on it. If the St. Louis Blues team physicians actually did the job correctly, he should have only had one surgery. Um, it turns out, and this was reported by Jimmy Rutherford of The Athletic, if you know they just found the root of the problem, the last two surgeries could have been avoided. Um, so this third surgery around, he went to an outside uh, facility. They got the job done, apparently. His doctors say the shoulder is 100%. You know, take that what you will. Um, it's not exactly his agent coming out and speaking about it. It's not Tarasenko himself coming out and speaking about it. You'd like to think that a medical professional is as neutral as a party as possible. Um, so I think that's what makes him so appealing, that he was one of the NHL's most dangerous goal scorers over a five-year stretch. So uh, I think there's going to be plenty of suitors. I think that the Kraken just, for whatever reason, they didn't want to expend the cap space to focus on him. I think Ron Francis has a few tricks up his sleeve once the roster freeze is over. Um, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, you know what? Maybe they do make a play for Tarasenko, but I know that there were rumors going around that even if he had been drafted by the Kraken, that wasn't going to be his final destination. So, I mean, it's it's safer to assume that he's not going to go to Seattle. But again, there, there's going to be action surrounding his name almost immediately once the roster freeze lifts at 1 p.m. on Thursday. Yeah, so today as you're listening to this, 1 p.m. Uh, in, the, in the afternoon, uh, the roster freeze will have been lifted. But yeah, absolutely, you're right. The, you know, the doctor coming out uh, of Vladimir Tarasenko on the third uh, shoulder surgery, uh, coming out and saying that he's 100% healthy, his shoulder is better than ever, um, you know, he, he's going to go to a team at a hundred percent. Um, you know, that, that's an interesting anecdote for, for the Islanders, especially being that they just lost their first line right winger. Um, you know, if, if you had to guess, you know, there's been a ton of trade rumors and packages, you know, put together via cat friendly, uh, armchair GM and stuff. W what does the value for Tarasenko look like right now? Is it, that of a, a, a roster player and a prospect or, or even two roster players and a, and a pick or something like that? Yeah, I would assume that the Blues would be looking for something along the lines of two roster players and a pick. Uh, one NHL player, a prospect, and a pick. Um, because, again, I think they understand what they're dealing with um, this is a goal scorer that still has what's assumed to be plenty left in the tank that could be an absolute game changer and a first-line winger and a sniper and an elite goal scorer for your team. So they're going to want to try and maximize that value, and I think there are going to be teams that are going to be willing to give that up. Do the Islanders necessarily have the funds or the means or the assets to get that? Um, with Jordan Eberle going to Seattle, I'm not really sure. Um, I think we saw a lot of mocks saying, uh, you know, Eberle was going to be a part of a package that included Anthony Bavillier's RFA rights and a pick to go to St. Louis for Tarasenko um, and Vince Dunn. Dunn's off the table now, so you'd like to think right. that package is diminished, especially because Dunn's ceiling is so high. Right. Um, so maybe it is something along the lines of, a roster player and a pick, or a highly touted prospect and a pick. Uh, the Blues just lost a really valuable defenseman. Yeah, uh, The Islanders do have some promising defensive prospects in the pipeline that I'm sure they could at least pique the Blues' interest with. I'm not saying that's going to facilitate a deal for Tarasenko, but um, at the same time, I think they could get a conversation going, and if they really are gung-ho on getting a player of his caliber and – 
performing under the expectations that he is going to be 100% healthy, um, it could be something that we could see the Islanders move on rather quickly over the next day or two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as soon as tomorrow at 1 p.m., uh, like we said earlier, this this could come to fruition. Um, you know, we know as of right now, no assets went to Seattle uh, in, in exchange for Jordan Everly. That was their pick. Uh, they wound up not going with Josh Bailey. So it looks as though the Islanders still have uh, some draft picks to work with, especially given the fact that, like we said earlier, there was no first-round pick given for the Andrew Ladd deal. Um, so we'll see what happens with Tarasenko. Um, if there was any forward on the market right now, at, at, and, and we knew that they, they were 100%, Tarasenko might be the first uh, one in line for, for most fans, uh, given there was no injury history. So um, if he is 100%, he would compliment Andrews Lee and, and Matt Barzo real well on that first line uh, and probably solve a, a, a lot of scoring issues and some power play issues for this team. Um, but another player that has been on the, the rumor mill, uh, David Pignota, made note of Connor Garland. The the Arizona Coyotes are, uh, you know, shopping him around. And, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on Connor Garland? Does he have fit for the Islanders uh, if they decide to make a splash uh, with Arizona again? I mean, the intangibles are there, I think. Um, I think he plays that certain style of Islanders-esque hockey that would – slot in rather well. Um, this is also a name that has been connected with the Boston Bruins, um, and they play a similar style to the Islanders. So I think that's sort of an indication that he could be a potential fit. Um, is the goal scoring necessarily there where you could say, well, Connor Garland could be a replacement for Jordan Everly? I don't really think so. 12 goals in 49 games uh, this season. He had 22 and 68 last year. Sure, it's there. He's a younger player. Um, he's entering his prime years. He's 25. Um, I think there would be more of a fit for him on the third line, per se. Um, it's just that price tag it comes down to and uh, the limited cap space that the Islanders are going to have, even though they've done a fantastic job over the last week in opening an abundance of it. Right. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I, I don't know that Connor Garland is that that first line um, impact player that you're looking for. Um, he would be, a, a, like you said, a phenomenal middle six guy, which, by the way, side note, I did I did, uh, you know, make a tweet the other day uh, talking about a middle six forward. And I was shocked at the amount of people who didn't know exactly what a middle six forward was. Uh Disclaimer, a middle six forward is uh, somebody who can play on the second or the third line. That's what a middle six forward is. And we're going to move on. Um, yikes. But <laughs> yikes. speaking of the the uh, impact player that uh, is possibility for the New York yeah. Islanders, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. And, you know, we, we know now that Gabriel Landeskog has expressed interest in the New York Islanders, again, among other teams. Uh, but he has expressed interest in the Islanders. Uh, but before we even talk about if he's going to get to the Islanders, uh, Joe, in your opinion, does he actually leave Colorado? You know, it's at, at this point, I would kind of label it almost as a 50-50 scenario. Um, if I were to err on one side or the other, I would say he would be more likely returning to Colorado. But that's just speculation. That's mm -hmm. no knowledge of the situation myself. Right. Um, because, you know, for an Avalanche team last year that was talking about, you know, being the favorites to win the Stanley Cup and coming up disappointingly short, all of a sudden you just lost Jonas Donskoy to the Kraken. Then you're flirting with the possibility of losing your captain, um, a face of the franchise, and a point-per-game guy, one of the more productive wingers in the NHL. So, right. um, you know, he. there were reports that came out that said he would be willing to give the Avalanche somewhat of a hometown discount, whether that was 7 or $8 million. Um, and then there were, you know, and those same reports said that he could be looking for as much as $9 million per year from elsewhere. So uh, it's a really precarious situation with Landis Gog. And obviously I think it's one that a lot of teams are going to be following closely including the Islanders, mm -hmm. and it presents both these kind of avenues for them 
where, you know, you can get a game changer like Landeskog for just money. Obviously, the question comes down to how much money the Islanders is going to have to throw at him. Right. And also, you have the other avenue in, well, get, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is available via trade. And right. again, it just comes down to, will they have the assets? So um, there are options, but there are extenuating circumstances hiding right behind them, too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, Gabriel Landeskog is a, is a prime time game changing type player. Now, the Avalanche do have a few of those, uh, namely Cal McCarr, who's due for a contract right now. Um, and given that Miro, he's going to just signed an eight by eight point something uh, monster contract. Uh, you think that Cal McCarr is going to probably get a little bit more, uh, not to mention then Nathan McKinnon is due uh, another contract next year. He's been on a bargain of a contract at $6 million uh, per year for the past, I think, five or six years for the Avalanche. So he's going to get a payday next year as well. So you wonder if the Avalanche are going to pay Landis Gog what he's asking. Now, I was listening to uh, a Twitter Spaces uh, event earlier with ESPN, um, and Leah Hextall was talking to Ryan Callahan and Linda Cohen um, about the situation regarding Landis Gog and Joe Sackick. Uh, and she had said that she heard that it wasn't about the dollar amount, but it was more about the term. Uh, the Avalanche might not be willing to uh, commit to Landskog long term. Uh, they might have a, a different future uh, set in their eyes for, for how they want the franchise to look. Um, and, you know, they have a, a couple of good young prospects um, who can step in and and, and not necessarily provide what Landeskog has, but, you know, they also have uh, Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon to make up for the deficit. And I'm sure if they re-sign Brandon side at what is surely to be much cheaper uh, to maybe play first line minutes with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, Brandon Saad's probably going to put numbers up as well, uh, playing alongside two elite talents like that. So uh, they have a tough decision ahead, but let's talk about how Landeskog would impact the Islanders. Uh, for me, first thing I think of is he comes in as a perfect fit, like a glove. He's a leader. Uh, he He's a two-way style hockey player. He's got uh, three years in a row of 30 goal scoring, uh, 30 goals scored pace. Uh, he didn't reach 30 goals in the past two seasons because it was uh, shortened seasons, but the uh, 2018-19 season, I believe, which was uh, three seasons ago, he hit 30 goals, uh, and he would have done so again in the past two seasons had they not been shortened. Uh, that's definitely something you want uh, for the Islanders on their first line. Uh, Joe, in your opinion, if the Islanders can bring him in, uh, does he agree to play right wing, or maybe does Anders Lee switch to the le to the right side for the natural shot? I mean, they're both left-handed uh, shooters, but is there a fit there on the first line, or do you think maybe one of them is going to get bumped down to the second line? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I it really comes down to preference of each one. Um, you know, one would assume that if Barry Trotz went to Anders Lee and said, hey, we're going to get Gabriel Landeskog, would you mind playing right wing? Uh, I don't think he would think a second about it. It's just the kind of guy that Anders Lee is. I think um, you're right. And we saw it last summer, or should I say two summers ago, during the Artemi Panarin sweepstakes, he told the Islanders that he was willing to take a lesser deal if it meant bringing Panarin to the island. Right. Uh, and then once that fell through and he went to the Rangers, they were able to hammer out a deal for him. Right. So um, I think they it wouldn't be that big of an issue with fitting him. Do I think that Landeskog is necessarily the sniper that, say, a healthy Tarasenko is? No. Um, but I think Landeskog is the better all-around player that, again, screams Islanders hockey. Um, it is, you know, I'd like to describe it as Anders Lee on steroids uh, in a way because this is, you know, this is a guy who can do it all. He can play a similar game to the Islanders captain, um, and he can do more with it. Um, he's a better skater, um, stronger with the puck, um, and he's more of a playmaker. So, yeah, uh, you really can't go wrong either way. I mean, Andrews Lee has tree trunks for legs, so I would hate to see what it looks like if he was on steroids. All right. uh, but, I mean, listen, uh, compensation for Tarasenko aside, don't think about what they would have to give up. If you had the choice between Landeskog and Tarasenko, who is the better fit for the Islanders in your opinion? Yeesh. Uh, in terms of playing style, Landeskog. In terms of transition, 
you, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko is a right winger. You come in, you plug in, you play. Nobody's moving positions. Right. There's the first line right winger. There he is. Your first line is Anders Lee, Matthew Barzal, Vladimir Tarasenko. That's it. Um, right. So it again, that's and this is this is you know swinging for the fences here. Um, you know, I think that the Islanders have more conservative plans just in case. Um, and, and really, again, it's all going to come down to how much money is left in the well. Yeah, that's a great point. I think they're definitely going to, you know, try to land that big fish. Um, but they, you know, Lou Lamarillo doesn't operate without a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and so on. Uh, so all of these moves that have been made so far are obviously calculated, but he's had backup plans on backup plans uh, in case any of these moves did not work out, uh, including uh, the Islanders' very own unrestricted free agent uh, in Kyle Palmieri. Uh, Jordan Eberle, like we said, is on the move. Is there now a fit for Kyle Palmieri to return uh, to the New York Islanders? Yeah, I think there's more of an opportunity for him to do so. Obviously, there's a space that just opened up on the wing for him uh, before the Islanders are making any prospective fantasy moves that we're talking about now. Um, but yeah, this was always going to be in the cards. Again, at exit interviews, Lou Lamarillo said that he already had conversations with Palmieri. There's mutual interest in a reuniting of the two. Palmieri said he, he really enjoyed playing at home. Um, it was kind of a dream scenario for him. He enjoyed every second of it. And he said, you know, just that half season in the playoff run is something that's going to stick with him forever. I think that, he wants to return to the Islanders. I think that, you know, worst case scenario and the Islanders don't land that big fish. Lou Lemerle signs Palmieri and there's your first line winger uh, for the time being. Now, that, that was going to be my next question. Does he play the first line? And for argument's sake, we'll talk about Zach Parise in a little while. Uh, but for argument's sake, let's say Palmieri is brought back to put to play first line right wing, and Zach Parise is plugged in on the third line left wing to play with JG Peugeot and Oliver Wallstrom. Is that enough for the forward group? Did they take a step forward, or in losing Jordan Eberle, do they take a step back? Uh, and they're back at where they were uh, in with that team that who you know made the conference finals two seasons in a row, but struggles a little bit to put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, that's, that's another great question because I think if, if it were to come down to that scenario, they've kind of maintained rather than taking a noticeable step forward or a noticeable step backwards. Kyle Palmieri does have the uh, capability of scoring 30 goals in a season. We've seen it before. Um, does that mean it's going to translate to those same kind of numbers with the Islanders? Probably not. Um, we've seen most guys, when Trotz and Lamarillo came in, their production took noticeable dips. Uh, I would expect that to continue. Is Kyle Palmieri the skilled playmaking sniper that the Islanders need? No. Um, so I would really think that it's just kind of maintaining should that be the scenario more than anything. Uh, we have uh, uh, news to announce. Um, nothing nothing uh, confirmed yet trade-wise, but Gord Miller of TSN does say that for those wondering, Seattle's side deals for the expansion draft, and there were several, will be announced tomorrow after 1 p.m. when the NHL's trade slash signing freeze comes off. So anything we might have said about Jordan Eberle potentially being on the move from the Islanders to the Kraken without compensation that could be uh, reversed tomorrow. Come 1 p.m., we will find out. Uh, that being said, let's talk about Zach Parise. Um, and I don't know, Joe, does it get any more obvious after the other day Michael Russo uh, talks about and tweets out that uh, Zach Parise's old uh, or, or former skating coach with the New Jersey Devils uh, is now joining Lou Lamorello once again uh, with the New York Islanders uh, it's just these lines are, 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 and these dots are all starting to connect. No, yeah, it's it's almost too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the Islanders aren't, you know, won't be getting a prime Zach Parisi if he does come, but it's almost as good a sentimentality, uh, sentimentality story as it is a uh, just a, a good old hockey story where he's going to be slotted on your third line, and yeah, uh, he's a sizable upgrade compared to say trotting out Leo Kamarov every night. 
Um, Somebody who can probably see a boost in his production playing alongside J.G. Pajot and Oliver Wallstrom. Um, You know, drafted by Lamarillo, close ties with him, obviously. Close ties with the Islanders. His dad, J.P., played for the Islanders, was uh, a part of that deal that kind of brought them over the postseason hump in 1975, scored the the game winner against the Rangers uh, for their first playoff series win that year. So, um, yeah. The, the stars are kind of aligning finally for Zach Parise and the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders should have picked him back in 2003 at the draft. Uh, <laughs> they were tantalizingly close two years ago at the trade deadline to getting him. Yeah. Uh, they just ran out of time from what I understood. So this is finally the opportunity for Lamarillo and Parise to kind of get over that finish line uh, to reunite. And uh, this time in New York, which, uh, you know, it, would be a really nice story. Yeah, it would be. And it's almost, a, it, or not almost, it is a blessing in disguise that the uh, Islanders ran out of time a couple of years ago to make that swap Andrew Ladd for Zach Parise, right? Because now they offload Andrew Ladd's contract in full uh, for the next two years, uh, relief of the $5.5 million cap hit. Um, and they don't have to take on Zach Parise's awful contract uh, and they can sign him to however long they, they feel. Um, there was a lot of talk from, you know, mostly fans saying, why would they, why would they sign this guy? Um, he's old. Shouldn't we be trying to get younger? Um, and you know, to me, it's not, it's a really a non-factor, right? Anybody who would be placed on that third line, uh, isn't going to be from the farm system right now. Uh, Kiefer Bellows has had his chance. I don't know what his future looks like with the Islanders, but I don't see him, uh, making a splash on opening night. Uh, after that, your your forward prospects are Simone Holmstrom, Colin Adams, all guys who need more seasoning in the AHL. Zach Parise is going to come in on a one or two year deal at a very low cost, and he's going to be a buffer. So you know, there's plenty of time for uh, these guys to grow, and the Islanders need somebody to play there now. And Zach Parise can score you maybe 20 goals on the third line. He's also a power play specialist, something that they really lack. So. Uh, Parise would be a, a, a really good fit for the third line, um, you know, especially for Oliver Wallstrom's development. Uh, another leader, another Islander. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't he wasn't bred by the Islanders, but he fits right into the system. Um, I, I don't I don't see any issue with signing Zach Parise to a year or two at a low cost. Do you, Joe? No, not at all. And I think there was this misconception amongst the fan base, which happens more often than not, um, that think that either, you know, Zach Parise's name is being spoken as as a potential first-line option that would come in and be the Zach Parise of old, or or they're trying to play fantasy hockey and finding, you know, uh, a seven-year fit at the position and a guy who could potentially put up 30 goals from the third line. Right. It's not going to happen. I think that Islanders fans need to understand that the organization itself is a machine. Um, and they need to just find that right cog to immediately put in said machine to ensure that it's running on all cylinders at all times. Right. Uh, Zach Parise's resume ensures that that could happen should he sign with the team. It's not about flash always. It's not about putting up huge goal numbers. It's about steady as she goes. Um, and Parise would be just that. Uh, and I think that he would be a pretty invaluable addition to that third line and uh, add some more experience to a team that's looking to take that next step in the playoffs. This is a guy that played in the Stanley Cup final earlier in his career. He obviously wants to get back there. And in the meantime, he can take a year or two and help nurture Oliver Wallstrom. So, Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I see it as a win-win, especially if you can get him again on a, a two-year deal worth cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the Islanders forward group isn't the only thing that needs to be padded. Um, the There's a glaring hole right now due to the departure of Nick Letty um, at, on the second pairing defense. Scott Mayfield is hanging out alone. Uh, Green and Dobson will probably return. Um, but Nick Letty's gone. And, you know, speaking of Zach Parise, another Minnesota Wild member was bought out on the same day at the same time. Uh, supposedly hung up on the former Islander Bill Guerin. Uh, when he had heard the news, he was not very happy. Um, but I don't think that that's really going to be a factor in the decision of Ryan Suter. Uh, he just seems like a perfect segue from Nick Letty uh, as, as another second pairing defenseman next to uh, 
Scott Mayfield, a potential upgrade in my mind, even though he's older, he's going to have a lot of interest on the free agent market. There's no doubt. Uh, but is it unrealistic to think that he would come to the Islanders that Lou Lamorello can lure him in on a cheaper deal, uh, given him the opportunity to win? He has never won in his career before. He signed a 13-year deal with the Wild way back in the day. I believe it's nine years later now. Um, does he want to win more than he wants to get paid, or is he going to take a, a, a four-by-four from someone who's surely going to give it to him on the free agent market? Yeah, uh, we're going to learn a lot about Ryan Suter in the coming days and weeks for sure yeah. uh, because you'd like to think that, again, at 36 years old, there's going to be that nagging voice in the back of his mind that says, hey, I'm running out of chances to win a cup. And, right, and he's getting paid by Minnesota regardless. Sure, so he's, he's getting his money. Um, I think that, again, depending on his relationship with Zach Parise, should they hypothetically – Look at the Islanders. Uh, it, it would be a no-brainer for him. Right. Um, it's just that, yeah, the Islanders aren't going to dole out as much money as, say, another team would. You know, I think, sure, you know, I could see them offering up to, you know, somewhere between two and a half to three mil for Suter. I don't think they would ever, you know, they would go beyond that. Again, just right. they have a laundry list of needs that they still need to address. Yeah. Um, but, Again, age aside, this is a guy that averaged 22 minutes per game for a playoff team. Um, yeah. The Wilds were a pretty appealing team. so And he's um, only two seasons removed from a 40-point year. Sure. that's Again, that's that's not going unnoticed. And, I mean, I think from the players, the, the blue liners that are available, he seems like the most conservative choice in terms of bringing him into the Islanders' defensive system yeah, knowing what you're going to get. And again, that boat's not going to get rocked too much. Right. And much like the history is there with Parise to Lamorello, the history is also there with Suter to Trotz. Don't forget, Ryan Suter played under Barry Trotz when he was with the Nashville Predators. So again, the lines are being drawn. The dots are being connected. Will Ryan Suter uh, sign with the Islanders for less at a chance to win, you'd hope so, especially given the fact that who was the first person Zach Parise called when he found out he got bought out? Ryan Suter. Shows you what that means to their friendship. So it would be very interesting to see what's going to happen with Suter. Uh, Andy Strickland uh, tweeted earlier tonight uh, that he will possibly make his decision as soon as Monday. So we might know sooner rather than later what's going to happen with Ryan Suter. Uh, another defenseman out on the free agent market is Alec Martinez, another guy who uh, is a top four guy right now. He's a little older. I believe he's at age 34, but uh, a Stanley Cup champion with the Los Angeles Kings, uh, the infamous game winner against the New York Rangers uh, back in the day to claim the Stanley Cup. Um, what do you think of his fit for the New York Islanders uh, if it winds up being Alec Martinez? Yeah, he, he certainly showed that he could be a – Nick Letty replacement. Uh, he has a really nice two-way game. We saw him joining Vegas's attack in abundance, uh, especially during the playoffs. He's not afraid to get in on the play. Again, that's not really the Islander style, um, and you won't see that happen often, again, if he were. But uh, this is a guy who I think could be making around $4 million AAV or north of $4 million. So I don't see that being much of a fit. Yeah, tough, tough to dish out that that kind of money. Um, which brings us to the to the next player who was also bought out. Maybe he'll take less money because he's making money elsewhere anyway. Uh, Keith Yandel. Now, I had stated that when Keith Yandel got bought out, it was a potential upgrade to Nick Letty, and not not too many people uh, liked the idea of Keith Yandel over Nick Letty. But I, I'll I'll explain. Again, the Islanders' power play is pretty abysmal. Now, Keith Yandel's career power play numbers are, you know, up there with the the other specialists in the league, and the Islanders could use a power play quarterback. Uh, in a Trotz system, maybe the defense works itself out, but surely he would be a, a, a substantial addition to the power play and the Islanders' top four. In in my opinion, what do you, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? In an ideal world, I think you could say that Yandel would be somewhat of an upgrade compared to Letty, even though he's five years older than him. Um, 
He does carry a little bit more of a physical game. He's a little bit more willing to go into the corners. And he does have that two-way game and that power play quarterbacking ability that makes him so appealing. Again, it's going to come down to the price tag. Um, Another guy who hasn't won before playing sure. in Arizona, playing uh, in Florida. He, he's probably got the, the thirst to hoist the cup. And, and some time in New York as well. Uh, he knows... I, I mean, he, he knows the, I guess, pressures of playing in New York. It's a completely different animal playing for the Islanders, though. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, that was a pretty ugly split between those two te- uh, you know, those two parties. Um, but again, I think uh, I think Yandel would be a little bit more of a fit uh, compared to Martinez, just because I think he will be getting some lesser money. Uh, he's got a lot to prove. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, it's he's been bought out a couple of times. Uh, his better days are behind him too. It's 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 going to be a tough off season for him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the Islanders' first choice. That's for certain. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, one one of the Islander choices that was uh, f- no, the name was floating around out there was Jamie Alexiak, but he's no longer an option as he signed with the Seattle Kraken, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but that was another younger, bigger defenseman who had a good two-way game uh, and could possibly fit in seamlessly for Nick Letty. Uh, but again, no longer an option. Joe, are there any other defensemen out there that you could see uh, the Islanders inquiring with? No, nah, I mean, I think those are really the big four, I guess you can call it for now. Um, again, though, this is Lou Lamarillo, and he could come out of left field any minute and you know blindside us with something that we could never expect or see coming. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you were to kind of put a priority list out there, I think, you know, from an Islander's perspective, I think you'd like to see Suter as your number one priority. Um, yeah, and then kind of work your way down from that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, by this time next week, we can have more answers. Not not too sure what's going to happen between now and then. But uh, like we said, the roster freeze lifts tomorrow or, or today as you're hearing this at 1 p.m. So uh, a lot of changes are coming. Uh, let's get to around the rink uh, and let's talk about the Seattle Kraken's roster as a whole now. Um, they had what was an interesting draft on ESPN2, um, but... The blue line's looking pretty good. What are your thoughts on the Kraken's roster as a whole? Yeah, uh, this is a pretty good-looking roster, and they left a lot of really good talent on the table. Yeah. Uh, And that says a lot about their future plans, what they're willing to do. Um, Again, a a pretty clear message that they wanted to have a sound defensive team and plenty of grit to go with it on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, But I was really impressed with what they did on the defensive end. You're looking at a – a top two defensive pairing um, featuring Mark Giordano and, and, and Vince Dunn. Um, you know, Jeremy Luzon's going to be in there. Hayden Flurry's going to be in there. Alexiak that we talked about. Um, Adam Larson. Adam Larson. Yeah. This is a, this is a team that immediately coming into the league is going to have a better blue line than probably half the league. So yeah. uh, that, that says a lot. And that's a great foundation to start with. And um, I think offensive talent is a lot easier to come by, especially with their nearly $29 million worth of cap space. Oh, yeah. Fine, then say, you know, shut down demons. So, uh, really, I think Ron Francis did a, a really nice job navigating this uh, kind of being able to put the blinders on and move past those shiny objects, whether it was Carrie Price or Tarasenko yeah. or Braden Holtby. So, uh, Field marks for him. Um, this this is going to be a pretty good team. Who knows if again? Who knows if they're going to have the offense to to keep up at least in their inaugural season? But I mean, you can see this team definitely making a push for the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it looks like Ron Francis kind of took a page out of the Lamorello book of of hockey um, and built from his net out. And like you said, they had the opportunity to take Harry Price. They had the opportunity to take. Uh, Braden Holpe, but they passed up on those guys. Uh, they signed uh, Chris Dreger, and they also drafted Vitek Vanacek, who uh, was sixth in the Calder uh, Trophy uh, voting. So, I, I mean, he had a, he had an excellent year for Washington. 
Um, and that that's a pretty good one A one B right there with uh, Vanacek and, and Dreger. Um, assuming Dreger is the one A and Vanacek is the one B. Um, and they also drafted Decor, who's a, a a young goaltender who uh, was seemingly going to be a part of the Ottawa Senators' future. Um, but uh, they have some some pretty good depth at goaltending. Uh, like you said, their blue line's looking real good, and they have nearly twenty nine million dollars uh, in cap space to now go to free agency with. Um, and it's looking like the Kraken are definitely going to compete. Now there was that uh, you know news story today about Giordano possibly being flipped to uh, the New York Rangers. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Just because. You know, I see Giordano fly down to Seattle for the uh, inauguration, if you will, of the Seattle Kraken, and he's got the jersey on, and he, you know, he says a few words. Do they do all of that just to flip him later? Yeah, I don't really think so. Um, I think that he's a prime candidate to be the first captain in franchise history yeah. more than anything. Um, you know, I think when those initial reports came out, you thought it was possible. Um, right. I know I think the Flames said that they were interested in Ryan Strom or something along those lines. Yep. I get that. The Rangers need help on the blue line for sure. But, again, like you said, the second that he came out with the jersey on and he's talking to the crowd, and you know, I, I think you can kind of put all of those ideas on the back burner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think you put in the effort to bring in a guy um, of Mark Giordano's stature just to flip him later. Uh, and not even play a game uh, when when you made a big deal out of having him there for the for the inauguration. So uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens there. I don't think it's very likely, even though it does make a little bit of sense for both sides. Um, I, I think it makes a little bit more sense for Giordano to stick around and and maybe uh, start helping establish the culture in Seattle. Um, interesting question I have for you here, though. Uh, in in the first year of the Vegas Golden Knights, William Carlson was. Uh, selected and scored 40 goals that year. Who was the William Carlson for the Seattle Kraken this season? Oh man, uh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're looking at you know, I, I'm trying to look at what could possibly be their top two lines, and you know, you think Yanni Gord is going to be on that top line, and well, what is he going to be able to do without the supporting cast that he has in Tampa? I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, Jonas Donskoy, same thing. He had a career best year, again, on a loaded avalanche team, but that was only right. 15 goals. Uh, I like the way Callie Yarncrow, play, uh, Yarncrow plays. Do I think he's a 40-goal scorer? No. Um, this is, I mean, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this probably, but you <laughs> see Jordan Eberle playing in a, you know, <laughs> not going to be playing in a defensive first system. Yeah. We know what he's capable of, uh, you know, where he can expend all of his efforts more towards goal scoring as it is to, you know, back checking or defensive organization. So, um, you know, just an initial scan of the roster, um, I think he would be the guy most likely to kind of flirt with 40 goals. But, um, yeah, before we go any further, I, I, I do have to say, um, I, I would be remiss not to bring it up. Um, you know, obviously I, I, I wish Jordan Everly the best of luck in Seattle. Um, one of the, one of the nicest, most genuine guys that I have covered, um, over my last, you know, four or five years kind of work in this circuit. Um, and I, I do have one story that kind of embodies everything that Jordan Everly is. Um, this is during the 2019, 20 season. This is in January. Um, I go to Morning Skate. He is in the middle of a ridiculous drought. I think he scored like once in 24 games. Um, and me, you know, you, you got to ask the questions, unfortunately, because you're trying to get the story. Uh, you know, I ask him about the drought and if it's affecting him and impacting <laughs> him and any kind of cliche that you want to say. Right. Um, and, you know, most guys would kind of give you a few words and they, you know, they kind of brush it off because who wants to talk about it? Sure. Jordan, Jordan Everly took like 10 minutes with me and talked about his mindset and how he keeps an eye on shooting percentage and how he's being um, too generous with the puck, how he's always willing to give it away. He needs to be more aggressive. Um, 
And, and I think that just said a bunch about him. And he was still, you know, he was able to smile and kind of laugh about it, laugh at himself even. Um, so really, the, the Seattle Kraken are getting not only a player who's going to be their right winger on their first line come opening night, um, if, again, no major trades happen or anything like that happens over the next few days or so. Um, but they're also getting a really an all-star person and, and personality. So, again, um, I wish him the best of luck out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully he continues kind of trending upwards in Seattle. Yeah, that's a that was really well said. And, you know, that was how I was going to send the show off as well. You know, I was going to, you know, thank Jordan Eble for his time on the island, um, you know, signing the extension and everything. You know, when, when we when we found out we were getting Jordan Eble, we were all really excited. Um, when we found out he wanted to stay, we were all really excited. He he meshed real well with Matt Barzell. Um, and, and, you know, he was just a, a part of the come up of the New York Islanders uh, and, and part of what they are right now. So uh, our deepest gratitude to Jordan Everlay. We, we, we really thank you for all of your services on Long Island, uh, both on and off the ice. Um, you will sorely be missed. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best in Seattle. Um, real quick before we end, uh, the the off-the-board pick I had for Seattle's year one, William Carlson, wasn't going to ah. be uh, in the forward group, but it was going to be on the back end. And I'm going to go with Vince Dunn. Um, he's primed to, I think, have a breakout year this year. He was all, he was very good last year. He's a very good defenseman. Um, but I think he has, uh, uh, one of those years where he solidifies himself in, in some of the top defensemen. Now I'm not gonna, you know, maybe say he'll be the next Adam Fox, but maybe a tier down from it. He's going to solidify himself in the elite defenseman and make, make a run, um, at the, the, uh, Norris trophy, who knows, but, um, I do think that he's going to have a really good year for the crack. And given that blue line, uh, he's not going to be the guy who has to carry the load. Um, but you know, he'll be a, a very good player for them. And I think that's going to do wonders for his game. So uh, I think their, their big stud will be Vince Dunn, uh, this year, but that about wraps it up for us, Joe, any, any, uh, uh, parting thoughts for you, uh, after the Seattle crack and expansion draft. Buckle up, kids. Uh, it's about to get fast and weird over the oh, next yeah. couple of days and weeks. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to be away for a few days, so make sure you follow you follow James here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the uh, the plug. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, roster freeze lifts at 1 p.m. Uh, plenty of moves are already scheduled to be announced. We don't know what they are. We'll find out soon. Uh, and plenty of moves could happen uh, in the coming hours. Uh, we want to say thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network, the Hockey Writers, and, of course, all of you, our listeners. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Nassim and Hockey. And find our work at the Hockey Writers. And for Joe's work, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Pantorno. Uh, for, and for a wide variety of sports coverage, uh, find him at amnewyork.com uh, for all New York sports, including your New York Islanders. And until next time, everybody, let's go out.